Well, welcome to the Men Podcast. Your host, Joe Roder here. We're back with another edition, and uh, I've got my longtime friend and former guide and Red Staff member, now moved on to be one of the regional sales reps for Sims Fishing Products in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. Troy Lichtenegger. Glad to be here, Joe. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's kind of funny. We're, we're looking at the river today. Normally, we'd like to record this sitting beside the river, but... Troy, you brought that weather with you. Yeah, the west side wet. Um, you, <laughs> I, I brought it with me. I drug it over from Seattle. And, uh, yeah, get used to it. This is what, this is what it's like, like 300 days over the year over there. So. <laughs> Inversely, where Red's Fly Shop is, for those that haven't been here, it's more like a kind of a central Idaho, Montana-style, you know, high desert-type climate. Whereas Troy only lives an hour and a half from here, but it's more like your classic Pacific Northwest. The rain shadow. Just every cloud that comes through Seattle, it stops where I live, and, and, and it all pours out. Yeah, so bring your wool. Uh, <laughs> but we're uh, it's, it's also kind of funny. We're recording this inside today, and uh, we're in Troy's old room here at Red's Fly Shop. You used to live here. That's right. That's right. I, uh, I, I As the restaurant was being built and... As I was kind of in between guiding and, and kind of transitioning into the summer, I I manned the fort up above the new restaurant and, and lived up here. And it's 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 funny that we're back in here recording a podcast. It brought back some old good memories. So yeah, and uh, you were living here. Uh, that was 2012, right? Thirteen? Uh, yes. No, 2012. Yeah, and the bar got finished. And done when you were while you were living here, right? Yeah, yeah. I was down painting and, That's and right. putting woodwork in, and, and just trying to occupy the time when the river was all blown out. So it was it was a fun transition. Um, kept me busy, and it was fun living down here. I yeah. love it down here. It's you know it's usually on most springs. It's beautiful and green, and the sun's out, and it, it's a nice area. So yeah, I forgot about net when you said I was painting and everything else. I do remember that and. Yep. Uh, yeah, we were trying to get the, the the restaurant open, which is Canyon River Grill, and the bar we call the Back Eddie because mm-hmm. that's where the scum accumulates yep. at the end of the day. Yep. I've been well, I was a little worried moving above the restaurant, you know, <laughs> being you know a lot of guides coming in, drinking late, or or you know people staying out. But it wasn't built. I left right before it opened, so it all worked out pretty well. Yeah, well, <clears throat> so today's topic, just you know, getting on kind of the the, the fishing stuff here is. We want to talk about fishing gear, and by gear, we're not going to talk about like what we'd call hard tackle items. Um, we're going to talk about how to outfit your body to make yourself as comfortable, efficient, and as effective as you can so that you can spend more time on the water, be happier, catch more fish. Well, ideally, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think gear has, uh, and as I look back at you know where I was you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and how gear has evolved has made a huge impact on our comfort and how your focus can be applied when you're fishing. Cause I'll tell you when I'm worried about how to keep my hands warm or stay dry or I'm shivering or I'm being sunburned, I have a hard time focusing on catching fish. No, it, that's a, it's a huge point. I mean, you look at, I've fished with all sorts of people throughout the years and so have you, and, and you notice the difference between people who are wearing really you know lightweight breathable materials and good insulators and they don't focus on 
how wet they are, how cold they are. It's literally you just you focus on why you're out there. You're out there to enjoy the scenery, fish all day long, fish hard, and that stuff comes secondary. And a lot of people, you know, they bring their old leaky rain jackets and cotton sweatshirts and and you can see them in the back of the boat shivering and cold. So it, yeah. it makes a difference. It really does. You know, the other the other thing, too, and we're going to get into very detailed stuff about what we take where and uh, uh, maybe our apocalyptic uh, uh, wardrobe, if you will. If, uh, if they were to quit making fishing gear tomorrow, uh, fishing yes. clothing tomorrow, what waders, you know, what jackets, what, what wading boots, what are you going to have? But... Um, yeah, as far as being prepared, I think that there's probably a lot of folks that are, you know, they're anxious to, to do more fishing. They're excited about fly fishing. They've really got the bug. But until you're paired up with appropriate apparel or attire, a lot of people aren't going to go. They're going to be like, oh, it's like today it's drizzly and rainy. Yeah, and uh, there's the right people. stuff. I mean, it's not a big deal at all. Yeah, you, it, with the right stuff, the right weight gear, you're you're not even going to bat an eye. Bat an eye, you're going to be able to get out there and do it. And uh, unless you're outfitted with things that fit right, allow you to move, be comfortable. I think there's a lot of people that they don't know. They might not necessarily know they're staying home for those reasons. But there's some people that are staying home. And, and a good point too is a lot of the stuff that's out there and available today, I use for all sorts of different purposes. Um, there's shirts that I wear as a layering piece that'll also double as like solar protection when it's 90, 100 degrees out. Um, and then same goes with like insulated pants and um, pants that you'd wear under your waders opposed to wet wading and how you can combine those to make the most out of your gear. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff out there right now. Yeah, we looked at a bunch of new stuff coming out from Sims today, and uh, it seems like in fly fishing. So much of the gear now is going towards that more of that mountain lifestyle type atmosphere. You know, it's it's something you could you could wear to a barbecue, a, a lifestyle piece. I guess is the word. Uh, how, how we describe it is from boat to bar. <laughs> yeah, or or hiking. You know, like a lot yeah. of that stuff. Like you showed me some new clothing today, and I'm like, dude, those are the same pants where we're mountain climbing. You know, on um, well, scrambling. You know, maybe not extreme climbing or anything like that, but. You're going to go hike, you know, do a 10, 12-mile hike, and you're going to do some scrambling and some cross-country stuff where you're going to encounter, you know, snow, mud, water, rain, and possibly hot sun. Those are the types of, of materials and four-way stretch materials that you're going to want. So there, there's all sorts of the, the gear anymore has so much more utility than it did, you know, five or even ten years ago. Exactly. I mean, it, and it's amazing to see these companies like Sims, uh, really take a lot of feedback from guides and experts who are on the water day after day and they they take their input seriously um and they design clothing for people who are in that climate all the time all year round 300 days a year um and it's really interesting to see what comes out of those materials um and there's some really cool stuff coming down the pipe um some new materials that are being found every year um, that we're implementing in fishing style related clothing. Um, it just, yeah, there's just a ton of stuff out there. All right. So let's start talking about layering system, just approximate layering systems here. So we're looking outside right now and there's boats. I mean, a lot of drift boats floating by, we can see. And, uh, if you were going to outfit somebody for today's weather and we don't need to get into super specific product names and things, but more of just educate 
listeners on on how to be comfortable because today you're going to deal with sun you're going to deal with a little rain and a little wind uh all three of these things mixed into to, to one day uh and today's a waiter day i'd say mm-hmm. just because uh you know the the water temperatures are probably in the 50s you're not going to be real comfortable there for an extended period of time uh what tips or advice can you give somebody outfitting them for say late spring yeah that's a great you know it's a this is a good time of year because you don't really know what to wear um like you said it goes from sunny to cold to windy to rainy um if i were to go out there today um you know you don't want to have too heavy of a, 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 a pant when you're going out there especially if you're rowing and you're casting and you're moving a lot um definitely a lightweight um sort of what we call guide pant it's usually made out of like a core three they're breathable they're lightweight they dry really easily and it lets the the waiter material breathe nice and easy if you go out there with jeans or or cotton sweatpants you're going to be you're going to be sweating and and moist under the waders which you don't want to be and today is not a polar fleece day so what temperature yeah. approximately i guess it depends a little bit on somebody figuring out how long they're going to stand in the water too mm-hmm. so yeah. uh that's another consideration to make yeah i mean a thin um a thin uh, what we call you know, any kind of wool base layer is always a decent or good idea um they sell them in different um thicknesses you know real thin base layers to really thick grid fleece um, base layers and, and today would probably be you know a really thin uh, wool layer with maybe a mountain pant over it a guide pant something that's quick drying um, something that's easily breathable and and you can move around really easily too and that way if it did get really sunny out you could take those waders off potentially and wear your guide pants um, instead of the waders yeah, so so that's one determining factor is how long you're, are you going to stand in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how deep are you going to wade and how long you're going to stand in the water Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the day. And then, uh, okay, so yeah, like guide pants. <clears throat> Those are like a, like you said, a quick dry pant. One thing I really like about guide pants is, you know, I can wear them to the, you know, I can truck around town, run some errands, go to the bank, do my normal everyday stuff that a guide might do believe it or not we don't just fish 24 hours a day but we have real lives too one thing i like about the guide pants i can wear them anywhere yeah and do all my errands i can throw my waders on i can guide for the day and i can take my waders off and even if i did get you know some swamp butt going on and get a little sweaty under there those guide pants are going to dry almost you know within minutes of when i get out of the water and take my waders off and i will have to say the one pant that I wear pretty much exclusively all through the year. It's called the uh, cold weather pant. It's basically a guide pant shell with a grid fleece on the inside. Um, And the reason for that, that I like it, is uh, it has the straps around the ankles so you can tighten them up, put them in the waders if you want. Um, But then when you get out of your waders, it has your front pockets, back pockets, a side pocket. It looks like a normal mountain pant that you could wear around, go into the grocery store, go into the bar, just like how you were saying. Um, so kind of two choices, insulated guide pant, uh, the cold weather pant, or just your thin shelled core three uh, zip off pant. Yeah, that that insulated, and I do like those. I have the same ones and, and I like them for situations, uh, fall steel heading naturally like a cold weather trip uh a day like today where the water temperature is in the 50s it's a little chilly if i'm going to be standing 
in the water for extended period of time without a lot of hiking, that's a, that's a good choice as well. But okay, so let's move on. So it's 60 degrees out there, a little breezy, a little drizzly. It might be sunny. What are we doing? Uh, what are we doing sock wise? And then what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing sock wise? Let's just work for the bottom on a, up. On a day like today, I'm going mid a mid weight sock, ideally a wool sock. Um, but I found myself in this situation wearing just a mid-weight wool sock. Nothing too heavy, not a big giant winter steelheading sock, like a big mountaineering sock, but something more mid-layer, something that's over the calf um, to give that lower leg a little bit more uh, temperature, just a little bit, you know, if your foot gets cold standing in the water, you know, covering your calf and up your leg a little bit more retains the heat better than just wearing like a short sock. Good point. Um, so the more coverage you can get with your sock, and I know Sims is moving towards this, um, the higher the sock, the more heat it retains in your feet. Um, so don't overlayer, don't double sock it, don't do a cotton, then a wool on top. It's better to go one layer of socks um, than two. Yeah. So just keep it simple. Um, there's a lot of brands out there, you know, Sims and Smart Wool, just a mid-weight wool sock. Just one layer is all I'm wearing today. That's a really good tip for, for those listening that do tend to get cold feet is making sure that you buy, you know, shop around a little bit, even if it's outside the fly fishing realm and you jump into something like Smart Wool, getting that over the cap wool sock is going to help with uh, heat retention in your feet dramatically. Mm -hmm. I, it hadn't even occurred to me that you know the height of that sock is going to have a, a marked impact on blood flow. You always think about, well, I need to wear two two socks. Well, that one that's going to reduce circulation in your boots and uh, possibly constrict your toes. But perhaps wearing a taller sock, I might actually get more warmth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good tip, especially on a hot day, cold water, tall socks. Keep your feet warm, but you can still wear the lightweight guide Typically, type Typically, you're not wading over your knee. I mean, in most situations, I mean, if you're swinging flies or you're getting out of the boat to land a fish or walking the boat down a run, I mean, you're, you're going from your, you're not going so much past your knee or past your waist all the time. So it does keep, keep your, your bottom half warmer. But that's where your perspiration comes from is, you know, your core area, your thighs. Your and this brings me to a good point because a lot of people, they, they think they're, they're, they're on all waders that their, their booties or their feet are leaking um, when they get out of the waders at the end of the day. That's not necessarily the case. The case is you, that is your sweatiest part of your body is your feet. Everything goes downhill. Everything goes towards the ground. So when you're sweating and you're really perspirating, um, the first thing to get really wet is your socks. And if you don't have a good wool sock that can transfer um, the moisture out of it, you're going to end up getting damp feet if you don't have proper breathable socks. Yeah. No, that's I, I like that tip. That's a good one. So uh, hot day, cold water, tall socks, mid-weight right now, and uh, wear your guide pants up top so that way uh, – if you do decide you want to shed the waders, if it hits 85 in the afternoon, which can happen all across the western states, um, it can get warm in a hurry as it can get cold in a hurry. Uh, you've got the guide pants so that you can wet weight if you want, plus they dry out quick when you're done and you're super comfortable. Uh, as far as as far as far top layering, uh, kind of take me through uh, top layering and what that's going to look like. Man, I, I've played around with this a ton, and especially living out here. Um, the sun protection thing is is huge. I mean, the sun is so it, it'll beat you up. And even on a cloudy day like today, 
you, you don't realize how much sun you're really getting on your skin. So the the way I've been layering for the last few years is, is pretty simple and you could do it all year round. Um, a lot of these companies are coming out with these solar flex shirts. Um, it's a synthetic shirt that usually is about a, a 30 to 50 UPF rating. Um, and the one style that I, I lean towards is the Solar Flex hoodie, just because when the sun does come out, you have a little bit of protection over your ears and on the back of your neck, which you don't really think about all the time, um, especially when the sun's not blasting on you. Um, and having that thin layer, it's a next to skin layer. You can wear it when it's hot and you can use it as a layer. So typically, you know, some kind of lightweight, breathable solar flex hoodie is my go-to piece i wear that solar flex for just like you're saying i would wear that uh i was fishing near the equator last month and that's what i was wearing uh if i were fishing today that'd be my bottom layer and long sleeves i mean no matter what you do yeah it, that's we, we we guide thousands of new anglers here at reds and teach fly fishing classes i mean we're looking at a beautiful stream right here i mean our campus is awesome we connect with tons of fishermen and long sleeves are like that's where you start because you obviously want to protect yourself from the sun it may get cold later and you may need a layer but also things like bugs the sleeves are going to protect you from that Mm -hmm. so long sleeves in that solar reflex materials where i start with pretty much everything oh yeah and you talk about like a bang for your buck too i mean 60 bucks gets you a layering piece you can take skiing in the winter time as a thin base layer or running or going down to bahamas or mexico um and and that's your go-to piece or oh i work out in them i mean you could wear them anywhere they're such a the stretch material and it was outstanding so typically you'll see me and a lot of people around here you know solar flex hoodie is a base and then I really talk people into some type of um, uh, insulated piece, so Prima Loft, something that's breathable. It, it holds a lot of heat um, when it does get a little more damp out. So Prima Loft, um, it, it, for its for its compactability and its comfort, it's probably one of the best layering pieces you can have with you, especially in a variety of climates because it doesn't necessarily heat you up too much. Um, and it, it, it's a nice piece that you can be comfortable when it does get warmer off. So typically you'll see me in the solar flex hoodie with a, some sort of Prima Loft jacket or vest on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that usually retains enough body heat. A lot of your body heat actually comes from the lower part of your body. Um, so keeping your legs and what we talked about with the longer socks, um, it, it actually comes back up through your body. Um, and the, the more you can keep the bottom half of your body warm, it will transpire up to the top half of your body as well. So having a piece that's nice and breathable, flexible, and then having that Prima Loft layer on the top that you can easily take on and off is a really good choice as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the hood, the hoodie thing. So if, if you're going out early summer, late spring, we're wearing a Solar Flex for the base layer. Um, I know that Sims probably makes some, some bug off type stuff. For those that want to, you know, if you're going to be out in the evenings especially, I think bugs are a much greater deterrent for people staying out late or going fishing than a lot of us will admit. Um, Dude, I swell up like a grapefruit when I get bit by a mosquito. I've got cuts all over my hands and knuckles. I'm a pretty durable human being when it comes to, to skin irritation and things. I'm pretty tolerant. But, man, I get bit by a noceum and I swell up. I got like a lump on the side of my on my temple if i get bit you're not the only one 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I swallow pretty good. So I think that bug off stuff's great. And uh, touching on the hoods, hood stuff, I wore, I'm wearing a hood right now. I wear a hood for almost everything I do because we're constantly dealing with unexpected winds. And man, when I go guide all day, if I can keep that wind off of my ears, either with a buff, you know, like a, a sun gator or a neck gator that covers up my face and my ears, if I can keep that wind out of my ear canals, I just feel better at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that hood for me, uh, plus you look like a little bit of a Jedi or ninja, which is kind of sweet. But uh, but seriously, if I can keep that wind out of my ears... It makes a big difference. Yeah, I just don't feel like I've been run over at the end of the day. I My senses are better. I have more energy. And so I use that hood anytime I've got that wind coming from... Unless it's coming straight at me in my face and blows the hood off. I'm going to wear that hood quite a bit for bugs, for sun... And it's just comfortable too. Mm-hmm. It really is. And and also, if it does get you know chilly, that hood makes a big difference in protecting you there. So I'm probably wearing about the same thing you are. Uh, I got that Solar Flex base layer, which could be an insulating layer, or it could just be UPF protection, uh, bug protection if it's got the hood on. And uh, a lot of the sims, I think most all of them now come with the little thumb retainers. There's a little yeah, elastic it band. You, it helps you cover the top of your hand. So not everybody wears the sun gloves um, because they do get wet. You know, you get fish slime on them. Uh, but a lot of the new shirts, and you'll see across the outdoor industry, is the thumb loopholes um, or at least a little elastic rubber band that holds your thumb and covers the top part of your hand. Yeah. So. I think that's huge for two reasons. Uh, well, three reasons, really. One, it protects from the sun. Uh, two, the backs of my hands get bit. You know, if I'm out if we're out fishing in the evening in June right now, there's going to be bugs. So it keeps my hands from getting bit. And then three, it protects my hands from getting banged around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether I'm, you know, rowing a boat or I'm retrieving a fly out of a, you know, getting a fly out of a tree or I'm doing anything, maybe I'm busting through the brush to go wade fishing, that little bit of protection on the back of my hands is appreciated because I don't always want to wear glove, you know, the this, this sun gloves. Uh, so on top of that, I might wear, uh, I'm always going to bring the Prima off like you suggested. And I think that is like from, I do a lot of hiking and climbing uh, as well. And no matter what the weather, that my, my Prima Loft jackets, you know, you could be down theoretically. Prima Loft, if you're dealing with water, is much better. And you can explain that uh, here, in a, here in a moment why Prima Loft or Prima Loft, you say potato, I say potato, <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, why that's so much better than down. But, you know, I've got one that will stuff into its own pocket that's a little bit bigger than a pop can. And uh, that makes the difference between me having fun or not having fun. And I don't have to bring all these different fleece layering pieces. I've got that Prima Loft in there. It goes in my pack or my kit bag. And I could forget about it until I need it. It's so packable. It's so light. And, and, it, and it works in a a variety of temperatures it, it's a great piece to have if you don't own one like i'd seriously consider getting some sort of prima loft layer it as far as it's you know durability it, you know just don't wear too much around the campfire because <laughs> they do get campfire smolders occasionally well you can fix those yeah, but uh can. yeah i've duct taped a couple of those but so it is one of the most hydrophobic materials that i've ever seen yeah. talk a little bit about the chief difference and and it's important, I think, when people are looking at this, look for the Primaloft logo. Yeah, like, yeah. You need so to look at for that actual Primaloft material. Yeah, so, I mean, you can 
definitely the the tags on on pieces of clothing. I mean, really look at them and really you know kind of know what you're getting into. Um, for for example, Sims on one hand, they do on all their clothing is a Primaloft Gold. It's the highest grade Primaloft that you that they make. Um, and the Primaloft Gold it, it holds more heat when wet, basically. So. Um, it has a really hydrophobic uh, attribute to it. So if you took a sheet of this Primaloft material uh, and tore it out of your jacket and you dropped the water on it, it's actually hydrophobic. So the water actually beads up. It'll, it'll bounce off. Yeah, it bounces off. So it doesn't actually soak into the material. And if it does over a long period of time, if you took your jacket and really soaked it underwater, um, it, it, it actually retains more heat when soaking wet than any other material, uh, cotton or fleece or wool. wool. I mean, that Prima Loft, it just... Definitely there's, down. There's so much air in it that it, it, it pulls the moisture, it pulls that water away from it, and holds the heat in. So guy goes fishing, he's wearing his jacket, it's chilly out, mm-hmm. falls in, gets wet. It's not a day-ender if he's got Prima Loft. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And Even we, in cold conditions. And we actually came out um, this last winter with a, a new jacket called the downstream jacket and it was actually pretty revolutionary because they uh, infused down feather into the primaloft gold so it's actually a blended material so it's the first material that holds so much heat when soaking wet than any other material out there you got the you got the down attributes of that heat retention but yet you got that primaloft that's hydrophobic so it's a really cool combination it just looks like a normal poofy jacket from the outside but the actual technical features of it is is really cool because when you're out there and you do fall in or it's pouring rain and you forgot your rain jacket that's the piece that you want to be stuck in the elements with that's my apocalyptic flavor that's what i'm bringing i'm bringing some sort of primaloft with me no yeah The thing, the big difference maker, because I didn't always used to carry that, and now I always do, but the big difference maker for me is it really takes the place of two layers because in order to get the same insulating value out of one feather-light piece of, you know, Primaloft piece, I've got to bring, like, two layers of heavy polar fleece of some sort, be it like, a, you know, Windstopper's a great material. If it was Howland today, you know, Windstopper would be a good tip, but... I'm going to choose Primaloft every time because it keeps my gear management light and tight. Mm-hmm. I can stuff that thing in my bag, my backpack, my hip pack, or whatever, and know that no matter what my nature throws at me later, at least I can be warm and comfortable and be happy fishing because I've got that layering piece. So it, it minimizes the gear that I need to bring, making me lighter, faster, and more efficient. And, and what I found, too, moving on to the obviously the next piece, the rain jacket, what I found is with the Primaloft, it's not your most waterproof uh, material out there. So, but the nice thing about it is, once you have that insulating layer, you can then find a really lightweight rain jacket to throw on top. So, if it does start raining like it is now, it, it's it's sprinkling to a light rain. Having that that kind of that bulk, that insulating material that's easily you can move around in it really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, just having it throwing on a really light rain shell. Um, that's kind of the. That's the whole setup. Uh, oh, it, that's kind of puts it all together, um, and then you can shed that rain shell as soon as it stops raining, and you and you still retain all that heat and and mobility. Yeah, I used to, man. I used to look like that kid from a Christmas story when I get all <laughs> layered up. I couldn't get up because I. I think everybody did. Yeah, like, two sweatshirts, go. two base layers. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just polar fleece on polar fleece, which is this so binding. You know, they're both rough materials, but. 
what I found with the now that I've been using that the Primaloft pieces uh, is they're slick, and so when I when I throw my next layer on, and let's just say you know we're out fishing today, I'm definitely going to have some type of packable rain jacket. It doesn't have to be a Sims, you know, G4 Pro wading jacket. You know, it you know f- several layers of Gore-Tex and heavy weight. What I need today is oh, oh here comes a squall. Let's throw my jacket on something that stuffs into a pocket, for instance, maybe its own pocket, and I can throw that on. But what I found is when I combine that, that Primalop with uh, a lightweight jacket, the two slide across each other extremely well mm-hmm. so that I can have multiple layers on and I can actually move. I'm still agile. I'm still comfortable casting. I don't feel constricted. And I don't get that that claustrophobia feel of having, what, what did you describe? Like, <laughs> you know, you've got two hoods on and, yeah. and you look like Michelin Man out there. I mean, it it's... It's you don't need that much stuff. You need you smart layers. You don't. Yeah. And it really makes a difference um, in the material. I mean, you can – it's amazing how many times I go out there and go fishing with friends and, and, and colleagues. And you go out there and, and you compare what other people are wearing compared to your – Well, you're when they wearing. layer and unlayer, it's a yard sale I'm all over the back less, of the boat. I'm wearing half the gear that they're wearing and staying just as warm or if not warmer than they are mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I can move around and row and fish and, and do anything and so, manage your stuff yeah you know, and like then you don't less have three gear. jackets to stow away yeah ultimately less gear is better so I've got a packable lightweight jacket I can the key here is the more packable the jacket the more you can shake it dry and that like when I go on these saltwater trips it's critical that you have a jacket that you can wear it through a squall. It rains for 5, 10, 20 minutes, an hour or two. You're not relying on it for insulation. And because here in the West, we've got primal loft underneath it. In the tropics, you might not have anything underneath it. It stops raining. I can shake it dry. There's nothing absorbent in there. There's very little to no Velcro. There's very few pockets. It's a very simple design so that I can shake it a few times. It's dry, and it can immediately go back in my backpack, and I don't have any dry time on it. Mm-hmm. So the the lighter the jacket, the more you can shake it dry, and also you can shove it in the pocket of your hip pack or whatever, and you can always be prepared for a little squall. Oh. And and you're bring again, you're bringing less weight and less stuff. Well, you remember the days where. You know, you get off the river and your stuff is just soaking wet. And your car stinks. You have to go home in the in the mud room and you let it hang overnight and you hope that the next day that it's dry. Otherwise, you're putting on a wet jacket. Oh yeah. This is what most people don't. This is the biggest question I always get: is what's the difference between a two hundred dollar jacket, four hundred dollar jacket, and a five hundred dollar jacket? Um, and most people don't know the answer to this, and they think it's just oh, it's just. That's how much they are. Um, And it's interesting because some of the jackets are really thick, rugged, durable material, while others are very, very thin, supple, shake-dry material. Um, And the biggest factor on high-end rain pieces is is the outer face and the the inner knit backer. Um, So they all have some sort of breathable material, whether it be Torre or Gore-Tex, and they smash the, the backer knit and the outer face material together to make a sandwich. That is what a jacket, or good rain jacket is made like. Um, and the differences between the, the big giant price ranges, the $200 to the $500, is that backer knit material, how slick is it? How lightweight is it? 
how little uh, water retention does it have? And then the technicality or the, the technical attributes of the outer face material. Even though it's lighter and more supple, doesn't mean it's not less scratch resistant or puncture resistant. Just because a jacket is really light and flimsy and shakeable and you can shake the water off, that outer face material may be more durable than that really heavy duty guide jacket. That one that just feels bomber, really feels tough and rugged. That thin layer, outer face layer, is actually more durable than that really thick outer face material. So the price depends on A, how, how breathable it is, and then B, how much durability it has. So it's really kind of a, a hand feel thing where people get caught up in how the outer face and the inner face material feel compared to how the functionality of the jacket is. Yeah, I you know I've been guiding for I think 18 years and I remember buying my first Sims classic guy jacket and I was so happy. I was like, oh man, I finally can you know go guide and fish in the rain and feel like I can survive. And I still remember that jacket. I had neoprene cuffs on the sleeves, uh, very heavy material, a lot of Velcro on the various pockets uh, and things. And that jacket, if I wore it in the rain and left it in my car in the morning, I mean, it would hold so much water. My car would smell so bad, and then the jacket would, would – and I'd have to wear that same jacket the next day. But now, like, the, over the years, the jacket I have now, I've got, you know, this, the Sims, you know, their latest grade is their G4 Pro. I got it two years ago or something like that. Fantastic jacket. That jacket now, I could go out in a, in a torrential downpour. It's just as durable or more durable. I can shake it out when I'm done. And that thing's dry. Like, I can leave within, it in my car when I, I don't. an hour or two. I mean, within a half hour, hour. It doesn't have to go by the in the mudroom, by the fireplace, over the heater. That thing, I can shake that thing out a couple of times. And that jacket, you know, the material's like... From the from the there's the waterproof cuffs, mm-hmm. and we're we're now we're talking about rain jackets, so we kind of jumped ahead or, or full blown wading jackets. We're jumping ahead a little bit, but between the cuffs and the zippers, the quality of the zippers and just thoughts on water retention have been put into every bit of those higher end jackets, from the quality of the zippers to the materials that they use because they they just breathe and dry out that much better. And I personally, I you know, I've had a couple of different models. I've yet to see one fail, but, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of jumping ahead more to like fall and, and winter type type stuff and talking about wading jackets. But uh, one lightweight jacket for like June conditions, super packable, shake dry, gets you through the squall or a half a day of fishing, and it's light and small enough that you'll actually bring it. Because my heavy-duty wading jacket that I might use for when I'm walking into a, a known downpour, it's not coming with me. Yeah, it, it's I, I can't I can't you know bag it up and put it in a hip pack or a small backpack with any efficiency at all. So, but moving on, uh, let's talk uh, midsummer now. So we've got our kind of our June system built. We've got like lightweight guide pants. We've got. Tall middleweight socks if it's going to be cold water, hot day. We're not wearing any cotton that I've noted so far. Solar flex type base layer that could be worn in the direct sun on a hot day. Or it makes a great layering piece under a piece of Prima Loft or a compact, packable, lightweight rain jacket. Now upstairs on the head, we've got a, a ball cap. It can be one of two things. It can either say Red's Fly Shop on it or it can say Sims on it. 
Those are your two options. Okay. Or it could uh, be a Sims hat that says Red's Fly Shop on it. It could be both. There's there's <laughs> option 2B. That's option 2B. Uh, but UV protection. So we're talking about... Like, and I remember it was about 10 years ago. Uh, you know, we call them buffs. Buff is a brand, but it's also kind of used unilaterally for neck, you know, UV face mask, neck gaiter protection. That Darth Vader thing that you see people put over their faces... Uh, what does Sims call them? Uh, sun Gator. Those are a Sun Gator. Yep. Okay. Also known as a buff. So Sun Gators, uh, people have a hard time, like when they wear them for the first time, getting used to them. It's <laughs> well, yeah, wearing anything on your face is, is not really common. You don't, yeah, there's not a lot of pieces that you wear over your nose and over your mouth. And yeah, it's a little cumbersome at first, but... Um, yeah, some of the different companies have like the little. The one thing that bugged me about them is you know you get the glasses that fog up, mm-hmm. and that's and that's one uh, thing that I don't like about them. And that's one thing Sims addressed. Um, it's kind of a form fitted face mask style, the Sun Gator, and then they poked a bunch of holes over the mouth and the nose, so when you do breathe, it's less likely to go straight up into your. Sun yeah, mask. good point. That, that's one thing that I, I do like about that style. Yeah. So, so yeah, those are the, you know, Sun Gators, you know, wear it. Uh, I can't imagine not wearing them now. Like, I didn't start guiding with them. And then uh, Steve here at the shop, guys were wearing them in Montana, where he started guiding. And then he started wearing one. And I was like, dude, it's like, that thing's freaking weird. It caught on quick. Yeah. <laughs> it, it went from making fun of a lot of people on the water to, oh, man, I get it now. It yeah. just makes sense. Because you could soak it in the water when it's 100 degrees out, throw it over and, and cool your body off, put it over your head and your face. And it's just there. It's there's warm a nice on, accessory to have. It's a little warm on a cold day. So great for today. It can be cool on a hot day. And also it's mega sun protection. But... Back to my point about wearing a hood and why I like to wear a hood a lot is the wind. Well, the wind protection you get from them when you pull that that sun gator up over the back of your neck and your ears, and you keep that wind and that sun off your ears and off your face. Really, you just feel so much better when you come off the water. I'm not fried and burnt, and and uh, I don't feel like I've been beat to death by the wind. But the other thing that people don't, and, and you know, we've talked about bugs before, uh, keeps the bugs from, you know, buzzing in my ears and biting the back of my neck where I'm, if I got my hands on the oars or a fly rod, I have a tough time swatting it, you know, horse flies and mosquitoes. So they're really handy in that sense. But the other thing that nobody really discusses is your, when you pull that up over the back of your glasses so that it blocks out all the light coming off the back of your lens. That's part of the reason your guide can see fish so well. It's not just because he's out there all the time. It's because he's got that buff often pulled up over his glasses, so he's gone dark behind his lenses, and you get no light coming off the back of your sunglass lenses. So you give yourself, it's like cupping your hands. If you took your hands and you cupped them around your eyes to shade your eyes so that you could you know, have, you know, get the best possible light reflection coming off the water, that buff really aids in your visibility into the water. I completely agree with that because you look at a lot of the fishing hats coming out and they've all changed to a black underbrim. So to reduce the glare. So now with that buff and a black brimmed underneath the the hat, you can it it, it does act like you can see so much clearer into the water. 
there's no glare coming off it anywhere. Yeah, agreed. So uh, they're great for, for a variety of reasons. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's jump into mid-July and let's talk about uh, kind of transitioning. Uh, we'll save waiters, a lot of waiters and booths discussion for a different time or different podcast, but let's talk about how we're going to uh, fish come mid-July. Yeah. So yeah. Foot, footwear on up. Oh, footwear. Sims has always had different styles of wading footwear. Um, and just recently, we've we've updated our newest um, sandal, our river sandal, um, the riprap sandal and the riprap shoe. Um, what we were finding was there's not a lot of support. You know, a lot of people will go out wear flip flops or they'll wear tevas or you know the sun shoes or you know aqua socks, something like that. There was never really a good like aqua socks. Aqua socks. Yeah, oh man, those were popular. I remember back in but you junior high. Wearing that on the river and you're you're probably going swimming. Yeah. So um, so let's talk about different needs. So I guess the first question is, you know, for somebody to ask, you know. Where am I going fishing? What what is it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Where am I going to be walking? So you got several different scenarios, right? We got somebody who's fishing out of a boat. You know that's always a possibility. You get somebody who's going to be uh, on you know slippery stream bed, large boulders. Let's just say the double black diamond of wading. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got that scenario. Uh, we've got somebody who's going to be doing a lot of hiking out of stream, and then maybe accessing a small stream. Maybe they're fishing a mountain creek. Uh, and they've got that scenario. And uh, then maybe somebody who's uh, got a pretty easy stream to access. They're not going to beat the brush. Small gravel, fairly easy wading. Okay, so we got a lot of different so four, scenarios. So four basic scenarios. Yep. Let's yep. start with the boat. So in the boat, my primary go-to shoe for just getting in and out of the boat, I know I'm going to be drift boat fishing or in the raft. Uh, I'm using that sort of that water socky kind of shoe something that's really lightweight breathable uh, lets the water pass through but still gives you a little bit of protection in case you want to jump out of the boat um, or you have to hold the anchor somewhere in some situation where you have to get out of the boat launching but but what's so nice about them is the heels fold down it sims makes it one that's called the current shoe but you can literally slide into it like a slipper um, it gives you that little extra UV protection and a little bit of you know a water flow through the shoe. Um, so that would be one to consider um, on the drift boat, not getting out of the water. Yeah, so you got toe protection, drainage, and you could wear it right from the house in the morning to the river to the gas station. Not a problem. Go and fishing, it, and they have a little rubber cuff around just the low part of your ankle, so it does keep some of the dirt and the the light sand out of the shoe as well when you when you fold the heel back up. Um, so it's a nice versatile shoe. You could wear it just with a pair of jeans if you wanted to, but um, just a nice lightweight boat shoe that is a great hot weather option. Yeah, I can't float away like a flip flop. Yeah, You're not going to get your toes smashed. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then as you get more involved with you know walking along the river or, or you're just you're, you're hiking you're doing some wade fishing um you get some more options and the one that has become really popular is the riprap sandal um and the riprap shoe the riprap sandal is it's a closed toe on the on the front and then it has an open back so that way it's like a tiva 
So you have a couple straps in the back that are open to let water flow through, keep your foot nice and cool, but then you have the toe cap protection. So stubbing your toenail, stubbing your toes, um, hitting a big giant boulder with, you know, anybody who's worn flip-flops knows you make one bad step and your toes are gonna turn black. Um, these have really nice toe protection and let the water flow kind of in and around the heel of your foot. Um, they make them in two different styles, one in a full vibram and in a rubber that you can put little um, hard bite studs around the edges. So that's a really nice um, boot that when you're walking real pretty like loggy, slippery areas, um, that, that stud grips into mossy logs and really slippery surfaces really well, it really grips into that, that hard surface. Um, and then we also do that same sandal in, with a felt embedded in the middle of the shoe. So also you can stud the outside of it as well. So you have this, you have this sandal with a really good footbed and arch support that has felt on the bottom and is studdable on the outside perimeter of the sandal. So it's, it's really uh, an evolutionary shoe in the fact that you can walk a long distance in this shoe and, and really cover a lot of different varieties of big boulders, small pebbles, uh, and, and cover lots of water really comfortably while keeping your feet nice and cool in the water and wet waiting. Yeah, so uh, that would be a good shoe for boat scenario mixed with a little bit of light waiting. You don't want the heavy duty boot in the boat. Uh, that's called, that's the riprap's Riprap shoe, riprap yep. sandal. Yep. So one with a closed heel, one with an open heel. Yeah. So a couple of options, and then uh, you can throw studs in them if you want. Yeah. Which is the, for the first time is is a really cool option to have. It really makes a big difference. Okay. So in that next scenario is we're gonna go and we're gonna be waiting. It's uh it's July. It's ninety degrees out. It's a little too hot for waders. Uh, we want that comfort and plus it's just fun getting in the water, right? But let's just say we're gonna be doing a lot of hiking and the water's cold. Um, what would we do for like a sock and traditional wading boot type system? So I'll touch on two different things. First off, the most traditional way is to use your old wading boot. The one that you use in the winter time or in the fall, uh, they sell these things called gravel guards. It's basically, an, it's the same part that's on the bottom of your wader, that neoprene booty, um, that you can just slip into and then go into your wading boot. It fills in your wading boot with a little added cushion, that neoprene, and then it folds over the boot and keeps dirt and sand and grit out of your boot. So it is like wearing a pair of waders, but without the waders. Yeah, so it's like a wet, it's a guard sock, right? Yeah, yeah, you have the ankle support and you have the really good traction on the river. So. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's essentially a wetsuit for your foot. Yeah, they're, they're great. I mean, your foot is still going to be wet. It, it's made, the sock is made to breathe underwater. Your foot is going to be wet underwater, but it is the most comfortable and sturdy situation that, that you're going to have. Yeah, and I found those to be uh, very comfortable. In Christmas Island, uh, we were doing something similar. We're in just a neoprene sock under oh, essentially a wading boot. It's called the title, something a little bit different. It's more for salt water and deal with coral and stuff but yeah you take your set of wading boots you're always wearing and you're saying you put this sims guard sock in there it's neoprene and you just wear that right over your bare skin super simple we were doing that christmas island and we were walking uh on the gps six miles a day 
And uh, I didn't suffer any foot discomfort due to uh, that neoprene at all. It's actually really comfortable. And it's a great material when it's wet because the properties don't really change. And it feels, it's like wearing a knee brace, you know, that neoprene feel of a knee brace uh, or, you know, an ankle brace or something with that neoprene that's pretty tight, should be pretty tight fitting. Uh, the other tip uh, that a couple of guys did if they were walking longer distance later in the week is they wore a, if you have sensitive skin or you're really going to be hiking long ways, wearing just a polypropylene liner sock, mm-hmm. just like a spandex, kind of an Under Armour type lycra material and then put that uh, neoprene on but it's it's important to know like I used to wear wool socks and wear double wool socks and then I would ruin a really good sets of wool socks you know hiking around just get yourself neoprene socks for wet wading it keeps your feet warmer in that cold they're comfortable for hiking they fill in your boots well and that system you're talking about helps keep the gravel out of your shoes yes which ugh, is a pain in the butt yeah, so you gain ankle support? Yes. With that? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like wearing your high-top hiking boots, uh, you know, hiking on small creeks or rivers. Um, the other thing I was going to comment on, too, is uh, some of the companies now carry wet wading socks. So it's actually an antimicrobial, uh, breathable sock that's made to live underwater. So it doesn't get funky. It doesn't ruin the material. Um, it's another option with that guard sock as well. I have a set of those, mm-hmm. actually. And now that you say that, I wear them for, like, other stuff. They're but I've got great. a set, and I think that would be really good if somebody was, I know like that they're... a rip-wrap sandal. You could wear that sock with a rip-wrap sandal if you wanted a little added protection. I always wear sandals and socks, so that's perfect <laughs> for me. We are in the Northwest, so... Uh, but that would be a good alternative to somebody who uh, maybe is going on a big trip and they're not sure how they're going to react to neoprene. Because um, I know there's a few... Uh, few weirdos out there that uh, are allergic to neoprene and then there are now when it comes to just general wading boots there are a few wading boots that are better built that are built well specifically for wet wading right like let's say we have a boot the intruder boot and it is a specific uh it's a specific boot made for wet wading um, it's a lightweight hiking boot with a built-in neoprene gravel guard. So it kind of hits on all surfaces. Um, you go in it on a barefoot, you slide it on, and it's a high-top hiker that's really lightweight. Um, it has that neoprene cuff around your ankle. Um, and one model, it's all vibram on the bottle, and the other model, it has the felt on the bottom as well. So. I think it's a good... I've got a set of those because I spend... Uh, I've got a lot of gear, by the way. Nobody <laughs> should have as much gear as I do. Um, but I've got a set because uh, my the wading boots I normally wear have a pretty big toe box um, because I've got cold weather quite a bit. And uh, that intruder boot has a much narrower cut, much more like... I hike in a... I do a lot of my regular hiking so Solomon boots. And uh, that profile of the intruder boot is almost identical. It's It's, you know form-fitting, it's lightweight. I feel like I, if they were dry, I feel like I could do a 10-mile hike in them. And, you know, but then I can wear them in the water and the properties really don't change much. Yeah, they dry quick um, and they're lightweight. I mean, they're they're very lightweight. So you can pack them in somewhere or you can hike on a dry hiking path all the way to your fishing destination and then jump in the water. Yeah, so that's kind of scenario three that I was trying to describe is dude's going to do a bunch of walking, 
Uh, it's July, and he's going to do some walking out of stream and some in stream, but he's going to put some more miles on. He might appreciate that lighter boot. The thing I'll add just briefly is, you know, the difference between Phil and Vibram. And, you know, Phil's got some bad play over the years because uh, the users have been irresponsible. When you when you have Phil, just rinse them off as best you can when you get done so you don't take uh, aquatic organisms from one stream to another stream. But Felt is really great in-stream, and uh, there's, in my opinion, nothing better as long as it's legal where you're at. But hiking out of stream, felt offers very poor traction. So if somebody's going to be doing a lot of hiking, like those small creek scenarios where you're going to hike from hole to hole, you're climbing over logs, maybe doing some side hilling on steep ground, I think that intruder boot with a vibrant outside edge so that you can actually cut an edge into a hill and utilize that vibram for like steep ground or side hilling with the felt on the bottom. And it's hard to describe, the felt doesn't cover the entire bottom, but the edges or the shines of your shoe, I'm sure there's a, maybe somebody can comment on this and tell me the technical term for the edge of your boot. But it's kind of like the chine is rubber. So you still have some rubber to grab onto grass and other, you know, outside of stream, uh, you know, objects. So, the fell can be very slippery on grass and other things, but I like that intruder for that scenario. It's a three. great all-around wet waiting option. Yeah. And then scenario four was kind of, uh, you know, we touched on it a little bit with that riprap shoot, but that was kind of like, hey, we're, we're going to be going camping, and I might do a little, wade, you know, wade fishing in the evenings for a short period of time. I'm not going to be, you know, bust, bust and brush. Uh, I don't need to bring my neoprene socks and my big wading boots. Maybe space is at a premium. And that's kind of the, you know, the, the Griswold family camping trip that I was envisioning where, hey, I'm going to wear my, my fishing sandals that offer really good in-river traction. Not like Keen sandals. It's really important to know, like, I have Keen sandals and I like them. I don't love them. But when you put those Keen sandals in a wet river on rocks, they do not grip like the Sims Vibram. It's not even in the same league. So just so you know, there is a big difference between those two. And if somebody's going to go do some casual wading, wet wading in July in a stream, I think those riprap, you know, shoes or sandals make a great overlap to where you could wear one pair of shoes, do a whole bunch of other stuff, jump in the stream and have really good traction at the same time. I agree. Absolutely. So... And then as far as clothing goes, we're, we're in July. We talked, have some overlap for the products we talked about in June, but uh, as far as like pants, shorts, give me some feedback on those two. Yeah, just lightweight, breathable, core three. There's a, you know, there's one in particular, it's called the super light pant. Um, it's our quickest drying, lightest pant that we offer. Um, it's, it's like the version of the rain jacket where you just shake it off and it's instantly dry. Um, that's super light pant. It feels like you're not wearing anything at all. So when it is 100 degrees outside, you still have that added coverage and that added protection. Um, and it, it's just so lightweight and breathable that you're comfortable all day long. Um, it, it's a good option for, you know, you get, out of the, you get out of the boat and you have to go walk through the bushes um, or you're camping. And it, it, that coverage over the knees and on the lower part of the leg, I really... I, I usually wear a long pant when I'm fishing. Me Very too. rarely do I fish in shorts, just because the chances of me jumping through the, the bushes with stickers and poison, poison ivy, oak, yeah. poison oak, uh, it's happened to me too many times where it's not fun when you get you know your calf rubs on some poison oak. 
and all you're doing is trying to get your fly off the bank after you snag the bank and and it, it's it's worth having a nice pair of light lightweight uh, guide pant or super light pant. When I guide weight fishing or I teach adventure classes, right? So I'm taking small group out, a bunch of new fishermen. I'm group leader. We're going to go fish a little bit here. I'm going to teach a skill, and then we're going to hike to the next spot. Those in shorts are usually the slowest and last because they've got to be cautious through everything they go through. And you Sticks. Get, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all, there's all sorts of obstacles. So, But people in pants generally hike faster, move better. They dry out fast. Okay. So next question, Troy. i got to ask you. Undies or no undies? Undies. Undies? I'm but, no I'm no undies, but I'm rolling. I'm rolling synthetic undies. Yeah. Okay. I'm going. I'm going breathable, stretchy undies. No cotton. Yeah. No cotton. <laughs> yeah. I I stay if I if I wade waist deep, I just stay wet too long, even with the synthetic stuff. Yeah. And uh, but uh, that's always that's always a good question for people. Yeah. It's kind of personal preference. It is personal. Um, okay, so then we're, we're doing layers again on top. We're probably back to that solar flex discussion yeah, again. Yeah, there's one piece in particular that has really gained some traction um, in, in the summertime. And that it's a these companies are moving towards uh, dual, uh, dual fabrics or even triple fabrics. But um, for one in particular, it's called the Intruder Bicom shirt. And what it is, it's a super, super lightweight uh, nylon fabric um, over the chest. So you're able to put a couple pockets on the chest. So it does have some uh, practical fishing implications. So you can put a fly box in or a leader, some tippet into your chest pockets. But underneath the sleeves and along the sides, you get this synthetic, uh, stretchy solar flex material. Um, so it makes for a really comfortable really good protective shirt that has some fishing features on uh, it you know i kind of get that now it's a we sell that shirt right i mean mm-hmm. it's downstairs in the shop but you just you just ex- kind of explained it better than i've heard before is the reason that we use those multiple materials is number one we can't stitch pockets onto a true solar flex type material and we would wear that type of shirt in a hot a warmer weather scenario where we would expect to wear that as our only layer Hence, the use of the pockets for our floating, for uh, any small tools or items, a fishing license we might have. That nylon material, you can stitch pockets into. Yeah. The solar flex material in and itself, you're not going to have those technical pocket features. Yeah, and one thing that we've started doing, too, everybody you know, who's on the water in the summertime, what's the one thing that everybody has on is sunglasses. So having that nylon front... Um, you're able we've started embedding these uh, sunglass chamois on the bottom hem of the shirt so uh, the solar flex stuff is it never it cleans your sunglasses off very well it's a kind of a keeps the oil on them and it just doesn't rub off so on that on those more technical fishing shirts look for the chamois cloth the sunglass chamois on the bottom hem because whenever you get a splash of water or sweat drips down it's nice to be able to take off your sunglasses clean your sunglasses off on your shirt which most people do but having that chamois on there makes them crystal clear again you can throw them back on so that's a, a really nice feature that most people don't think about yeah that that chamois deal i dude i didn't even know that was there until you showed me that today and uh that chamois is basically it you don't see it like if you were looking at the shirt and somebody's wearing it you wouldn't see it it's kind of like this seeker chamois cloth where you you take the hem of your shirt and you flip it inside out and you've got a lens cloth 
right there to dry off your glasses. I think that's an awesome feature. And then the other thing people love about the Solar Flex shirts is the flexibility. But on the bike home shirt, you've taken that stretch and that flexibility and combined it with the technical pocket features and the quick dry material. So, yeah, I totally get that. For hot, for hot weather, you know, that's what I'm wearing, shirt. man. Uh, it can't beat that shirt. Um, well, I mean, if you're on the drift boat or it's really hot and you don't, if you're not needing the extra pockets or that the ability to store a little extra gear on you, um, the Solar Flex hoodie or that Intruder by Comp, hands down, two of the best products that you could use all year round and they, they last forever. Yeah. Uh, back to the pants for a second. Mm-hmm. Belt or no belt? Uh, I usually, yes, I. Uh, I usually wear a belt, but I, I, I don't usually put, like, a big leather belt or a big... No. Something that holds water. Like, a, a web belt is my personal favorite. Something with a small metal grommet that's easily adjustable, um, that's lightweight. Um, that is kind of my go-to. And I know a lot of companies, and I keep mentioning Sims, obviously, because I work for them, but um, they have a belt system called... I think we call it the, the reps, the buffet waist belt. So it's actually a built-in stretchy band <laughs> that you, it looks like a normal pair of jeans, but when you like flex them out, the little bands on each side get flexed out. So it, you don't necessarily need to wear a belt. So, uh-huh. um, but if you you are in between sizes like I am, you know it's nice having belt loops so you can do a nice lightweight wet belt. Yeah, I uh, on belt is have to have a belt. Not just for me, but when I've, I mean, like I'm around fishermen all the time. It's what I do. I live it and breathe it. I'm watching fishermen right now out the window. And uh, the belt, well, your pants get heavy, they get wet, they get a little muddy, they get dirty. And all of a sudden we're dragging at the end of the day and guys are having trouble keeping their pants up and they're just not comfortable. That belt is like, to me, it's a critical piece of equipment. Plus, who knows, you might need it at some point I mean you might need to make a sling a split yeah I mean there's all sorts of different implications you could use maybe you have a backpack strapped here belt I think is just a really useful there's a reason every boy scout wears a belt it's just a good thing to have so uh, but yeah like Troy said no leather nothing that holds water a quick light lightweight belt makes a lot of sense and then kind of finishing off the top we got Bicomp is our apocalyptic choice for hot weather fishing shirts if we had to choose one forever uh I totally get that Bicomp shirt now. I mean, I don't. I need to get one of those. I'm going to get one right now uh, because I got pockets, but I still got flexibility. And I got that chamois cloth all in one. Uh, in addition, hat wise, you have Sims hat, Reds hat, whatever kind of hat you want. We sell a bunch. You can get it at the pro shop. But we got uh, Sun Gator as well. We know why. There's a variety of reasons. The other option on uh, tops would be a hoodie. You know, same as in June, but that. That shirt you mentioned, that Sims by Comp, is a pretty good kind of a top choice. Uh, in addition, you know, packs, bags, and accessories, and that kind of stuff is probably conversation for later on. Uh, but let's roll in and uh, let's just hit on fall real quick, fall, winter time. Yeah. And let's kind of revisit the cold weather stuff, and let's just pretend it's October. Okay. It's going to be freezing in the morning and, uh, you know, 50, 60 in the afternoon possibly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm layering up. I'm getting my, my over-the-calf sock, something wool, thick sock, putting the socks on, and then I'm doing those cold-weather pants always. I mean, I wear them. They're so versatile. Um, cold-weather pant. I cannot talk that pant up more. Um, and that's it. That's it. For me, that cold-weather pant with a nice long sock underneath, 
I am good for the whole day. And I have skinny legs. Like, my legs get cold, but that combination has always served me really well. Well, it's really easy to add layers and take away layers from your top. Whatever pants you put on in the morning, dude. Nobody wants to take their waders off in the middle of the day. You're committed. (laughs) At that point, you are committed. So you might as well go a little warm on the pants. And if you wind up with a single layer, you know, uh, like a single, single solar flex layer in the afternoon, the other thing to note about fall is at least where we're at, we're in the Northwest, we're steelhead fishing. And when we're steelhead fishing, we're most often standing in the water, often thigh deep, moving a little bit slower and more methodically, especially if we're spay fishing. Even if we're indicator fishing, we're probably spending an extended period of time standing in the water mm-hmm. uh, in the fall. So I think a good a good soft, think, like you described, and then that a cold weather pant. You think wool too, a thin wool base layer underneath uh, a cold weather pant or a fleece pant over the top. Um, I the, the the attributes of the wool base layer it it. It has such a range of temperatures. It keeps your body, uh, it retains heat when it needs it, and then releases heat when you don't need it. It's, it has a, a lot of good features in that wool. It just it regulates your body heat at one stable temperature throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's just a, a if you can if you can get yourself a pair of of wool pants, a thin wool base layer pant, it might be one of the best investments that you make for winter time or fall fishing. For well, it's not going to go out of style. Wool's kind of been here a while and it's here to stay. Uh, so then, uh, moving up, we're going to we're gonna layer up. Uh, if it's going to be, let's just say, cold conditions, we're going to try to wear maybe a wool base layer up top. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of crew necks now or kind of quarter zip top, but look for something next to skin, something with a really soft, supple uh, wool. Um, That's going to regulate your heat, just like on the lower part that I was talking about, the pants. Um, Having that base layer, that thin wool base layer on top is crucial. Um, It's a really thin, stretchy material, but it it almost feels cool when you first put it on. Your skin almost feels like, oh, is this thing going to keep me warm throughout the day? But once you start moving, it, it just breathes so well and regulates your heat that you don't really realize that you're actually wearing a wool base layer. Um, and so on top of that, you can you can wear a, quite a wide range of options. Um, that's going to regulate your body temperature the most. Um, so on top of that wool, that thin wool uh, crew neck or zip top, I'm usually... Um, Usually, definitely stick to that synthetic. Maybe a cold weather shirt or a Primo Loft jacket, um, or even a lightweight flannel. I'll even do like a, a polyester flannel on top of it. Um, something that give it a little bit more texture, a little bit uh, just an added layer on top. So that's that's definitely I couldn't talk up the wool base layer enough. That's, yeah, that's a go-to. Yeah, it's good, and it's got all sorts of other implications, you know, backpacking, outdoor skiing, out, out, other, other, definitely utility piece. Uh, and then Prima Loft, we, we bragged that up a whole bunch yeah. earlier. Prima Loft's definitely going to go with us for a fall fishing trip. Uh, probably a piece of windstopper, you know, something that we could wear in a very light sprinkle if we knew it was just going to be sprinkly, give us uh, kind of that... that that shell, if you will, uh, when we don't need to wear full-blown Gore-Tex, that's probably when you're going to wear like a windstopper type piece for me is uh, 
is either in the early spring, which we didn't really talk about because we started in June, but uh, that wind stopper is going to be an essential piece in the fall for me when I'm steelheading. And uh, and then again, you know, kind of through through winter and early spring. Yeah, and wind stoppers kind of been up and down throughout the years, and it, it's it's a lot of times overlooked, um, especially when it's dry and arid, but it's still biting cold outside. Especially like down on the Klickitat, which is down on the uh, Washington Oregon border, um, you get cold, clear nights followed by sometimes 70, 80 degrees during the daytime, but zero chance of rain. Um, that's where that wind stopper is so nice is because it, even a little bit of breeze can really cool your body temperature down. And having that wind stopper, it's a nice you know grid fleece, but you're not letting anything pass through that jacket and it's retaining all your body heat that's coming off is being retained inside the jacket instead of having a lightweight breathable jacket like a Prima Loft. It's made to breathe, but it, the wind can pass through it fairly easily. Um, whereas a wind stopper, like I said, it, that thing's going to retain all of your body heat. Yeah, it lets the humidity out, but doesn't let that cold air in. That's a good point. As we do, you're going to fish days that are going to be a little, you know, even a slight breeze, very cold, but zero chance of precipitation. I don't want the noise and discomfort of a Gore-Tex layer in those scenarios. That's where my wind stopper piece with the hood uh, typically is going to come into play. So I've got wind stopper in the fall. I've got that with me. And then, of course, I've got a heavier-duty rain jacket in the event we get, you know, an extended or significant rain. I definitely want to have that. The other piece to touch on in uh, wading jackets is uh, proper use of wading jacket. And I've got a couple of YouTube videos. You were there for one of them like yeah. 10 years ago yep. where I went, and it was January, legitimately. But I wanted to I show thought it was just for the record i thought he was out of his mind he's like oh watch record me i'm gonna jump in the river in january <laughs> it was cold dude it was but the thing is you've guided steelhead a ton right and it's cold when we're guiding we guide into you know our season really runs through thanksgiving is kind of when we cut off but like in mid-november we get guests out there that are waiting you know we're not asking them to do anything dangerous but they out there and they're pre- precariously waiting over these areas with no waiting jacket on and every once in a while, we'll have one of those guys take a little swim. In those days, I've shoved off the river early before. Not immediately when they get wet. But those are the days where we quit two, three, four hours early because they can't recover from taking just what would be a quick drink. A quick dip, you know, with a good wading jacket on, used properly. We wouldn't even bat an eye or take a break, right? But with somebody who's not using a good wading jacket properly... That's a day ender right there. Oh, yeah. So we'll go back to our store here. So tell them what we did with this waiting jacket just as far as a demonstration. Well, so what Joe was trying to prove is, hey, accidents happen on the river. You, you're walking along, you slip, and you lose your footing, and you you put your hand down, and next thing you know, the back of your waders fills up with water. Um, having that rain jacket securely and... and worn the right way meaning that the waistband is there's always an elastic band around the waist and then a lot of the new rain jackets have these what's called a shingle cuff or a ratchet cuff design where you can actually tighten the cuff over your wrist as just skin tight so that way when you do dunk your arm in no water's going through so his experiment was let's cinch this thing up around the waist let's cinch it up around the hands 
and let's see how wet I really get if I do take a full-on slip and fall and I actually start floating down the river. Mm-hmm. So, and I, it's, you're wearing it over your waders, you know, over the top of your waders. It's not tucked into your waders, just so people can visualize that are real familiar with the product. And then zipped all the way up and then tightened around your neck as well. And, dude, I fell in intentionally in January and did this. It's on YouTube. You can find it somewhere. It's probably like tag idiot falls in or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's something about a Sims waiting jacket or how to wear a waiting jacket. But, yeah, I fell in and I kind of knew this would happen. But I just kicked my heels up and there was enough air that escaped my waders and went into the jacket that the jacket actually made. I was like, it was inflated and kept me buoyant for, you know, five or ten feet as I floated downstream until I got my balance again, stood back up. And then I, you know, just as we did kind of a check or inspection, I got out of the river, got a little bit wet on my wrists, got a little bit wet on my chest, but I was essentially dry. Yeah, overall, I mean, you're like, wow, I came out of that floating down the river and dang, you could keep fishing all day. Yeah, it's a day saver. And, you know, I won't contend, maybe it will save or has saved somebody's life wearing their wading jacket properly. But the point is when you're in cold conditions where you could either get shock or hypothermia, wear the wading jacket properly. It might save your life, but it will most certainly at some point, if you fish a lot, save a half a day of fishing or a day of fishing. I've had clients many times, you know, take a little slip, fall in, get wet, and those are the days we're like, oh, let's wrap it up early. You know, like, it's slow anyways. Let's wrap it up early. Well, I know we're wrapping it up because you're miserable. You're damned and we're not having fun. You know, <laughs> nobody's laughing at my jokes anymore. You know, you were this morning when everybody's warm, dry, and chipper. But now that you're miserable and shivering. Dan's in the back shivering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, and then, you know, obviously, in addition, during the cold weather, uh, tips I'll just throw out there. Two sets of gloves. I like to have one with a mitten type cover that will cover my hands completely. And then I like to have one either fingerless uh, or a a neoprene waterproof glove. Um, You know, if I had to choose two, I'd probably just go straight fingerless and then uh, kind of a mitten hybrid so that I can cover all my digits uh, in the event that I don't, I'm not currently tying a knot or something. But two pairs of gloves, if it's really wet and it's really cold, one of them's going to wind up damp. So, or you, you land a fish and you forgot that you're wearing a glove and mm-hmm. you dunk it underwater, boom, you now have a wet glove. And you're miserable. No matter how tough you think you are, you can't help it if circulation leaves your hands. You can't effectively tie knots, fish, strip line, and all that. It doesn't matter how burly you are. If, you're, if it's you know 30 degrees or sub-30, especially, and your hands get wet, yeah, you're not going to fish very effectively, so... Uh, and then, you know, stocking caps, neck gaiters, I think are really key still, even in the fall, just to keep the wind off your neck and, uh, sun off your face and all that. But there's a variety of different stocking caps and whatnot you can wear. But again, wool and synthetic. Agreed. Yeah. So we covered a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, that kind of wraps it up. We went on, rambled like a dawn and on, go on and on and on about fishing gear all day. But, uh, Hopefully some of these tips help get you outfitted properly. Uh, as you might have guessed, we sell all of this stuff at Red's Fly Shop. And you can jump on redsflyshop.com, click on shop online, and do some shopping, pick this stuff up. We also invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and, of course, Podbean, where you're probably listening to this podcast. So uh, thanks for coming over today, Troy. Appreciate all your insights. Not a problem. Just remember... 
no jeans and no cotton sweatpants. Yeah, no jean jackets either. <laughs> well, jean jackets are okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, folks. Yep. Thanks.